Hello and welcome to the GFSB Business Podcast. I'm your host, David Ragliate. If this is the first time you're tuning in, then thank you for doing so. I hope you enjoy listening enough to catch up on past episodes and click subscribe. If you're a regular listener, then welcome back and thanks for following us on this journey. One of the reasons this podcast exists is that I wanted to spotlight the many sectors that operate from Gibraltar. From homegrown businesses to international firms, our business community is as diverse as Gibraltar itself. There are some fantastic guests and inspiring stories still to come, so stay with us on this season. This week's guest is Angelique Linares. Angelique is the managing partner at EY Gibraltar. EY, which is Ernst & Young, is one of the world's largest accounting and professional services firms. As well as offering auditing services, it offers tax, strategy and management consulting, valuation, market research, assurance and legal advisory services. I'm Angelique at EY Gibraltar's head office. So Angelique, thank you so much for your time. That's okay. For the benefit of our listeners, uh, can you tell me what EY is? Uh, EY is a professional services firm. Um, across the world, we provide a range of services, including assurance, tax, advisory, um, liquidation services. Obviously, the full range of what's offered in EY globally isn't necessarily available directly in Gibraltar, but obviously because we are part of the network, we can facilitate um, access to professionals for, for our clients here in Gibraltar. So in Gibraltar specifically, we deal mainly in assurance and tax services. Um, we work, um, we, a lot of our clients come from the financial services industry, insurance, banking, funds, but then we also have quite a big portfolio of, of local clients as well. Um, and we also have a, a tax practice as well. If our clients, like I mentioned before, if our clients need services that are not covered with the professionals that we have here, then we, we, we can outsource and, and bring in our professionals from, from across the practice elsewhere. You mentioned EY being global, uh, and there's recently been a much written about and much talked about a split of EY across the world. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Okay, I, I think what's happened is, is, is compliance has become such a big burden um, to the firm globally. Um, there is the, the regulation around the auditing practice um, has increased significantly and it's becoming very, very difficult to manoeuvre as such a big firm, which means that we, we could have conflicts in, in one part of the world with another part of the world with something that's been done here, elsewhere. So the firm believes that it's best to split um, and so the assurance and audit practice will, will go under, under one company and then the rest, which is mainly the consulting advisory side, is going to be split into a, into a separate company. Um, and, and it's really just because of, of the, the, the strain that the compliance is, is, is putting on the firm itself. So how would you expect that change or that split to play out here in Gibraltar? Well, as I mentioned previously, in Gibraltar we mainly do assurance and tax um, and the aim of, of the, um, the split effectively is to ring fence the assurance practice. And effectively what they're doing is what we already have here in Gibraltar, which is assurance and tax. So we don't envisage any change to how we run here locally. Um, obviously, the, the one difference will be that if we're looking for specific consultants on a certain topic. We might have to look elsewhere for them now before it was much easier to find them. But other than that, we don't expect operationally to have much change to, to our Gibraltar practice. 
Angelique, as managing partner for one of the big four accounting firms, you're successful in a field that's dominated by men. Do you think that matters? It doesn't matter to me. It's made actually no difference to me at any point in my career. Um, and I can say that I don't feel that I've um, come across discrimination um, during my career. Um, I sit at the table, it makes no difference to me who's round the table. And I would hope that the people who work with me feel exactly the same. Um, on the other hand, I appreciate that there have been very few women who have reached um, the, this level in, 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 their, in their careers. And therefore, you know, sometimes it becomes, it puts me in the spotlight sometimes because people, you know, ask me that question. <laughs> Um, I, I say it for me because I work in, with a firm that's worldwide. Um, there are many women in in positions of power within EY, so you know I can I can see myself represented um, across the practice. So in that respect, it's 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 great to see. You mentioned your route here or how you got here. Can you tell us a bit about your route to this position? Okay, so. I always leave um, Gibraltar, born and bred. Um, I, I spent six years in the UK, I went to university for three years, and then I did my professional training in the UK. Um, so I'm a, um, a chartered accountant um, myself, um, and I trained in the UK. Um, then I came back to Gibraltar 25 years ago now, um, and I joined one of our predecessor firms. And that's what it, you know where I started working in financial services. Just worked hard. I had a great experience with, with the firms I've worked with, with the professionals I've worked with. I was in the right place at the right time when the insurance industry in Gibraltar um, sort of took off, and that's led to, to me progressing up the firm. And then in 2013, EY came back to Gibraltar and they, they called us in and they said, actually, we want to come back to Gibraltar and we want you guys to, to run the firm for us in Gibraltar. Um, which was which was great, um, and that to us was was a, a you know a great opportunity. It was like playing in the Conference League and suddenly playing in the Premier League, um, and you know we took it on board. Um, there was a very massive massive learning curve, um, and but we have a great team here, and you know we we got there, and, and it's great to say that not only are we partners of the Gibraltar firm, but we're actually partners of, of the European firm as well. So we're at a par with all our colleagues um, across the, the Europe. Um, and so in twin, when the managing partner retired, the UI came to me and says, actually, we think you should be the new managing partner. And there it is. So, so it was great to be chosen um, from the team to lead the firm. And it's been a great honor to do that. Um, and I think the most, the, I think the, the best thing about it is being able to um, you know, put all your ideas, your passions and, you know, ethos into the business now and seeing how that develops the mm. business over, over the last few years. On that, how is that reflected? Can you give us some example of how, how that might have changed? Well, for me, it's the focus has always been the people. Um, it's very important to, to invest in them um, and to... Um, for me, and I think this has been done before, no, and other people have said it, but if your people are happy, everything else follows. And, and that is the core of what I believe in. I mean, we also very much buy into our slogan, which is uh, 
building a better be, building a better working world and those things go hand in hand not only do we build a better working world for our clients for communities but also for our staff so a lot of what's been changing over the last few years has been you know bringing in um work life balance um making sure you're investing in people's careers in people's futures um wellness all that has to come hand in hand with everything else we do which is obviously provide an exceptional service to our clients so those things need to mesh together i think they work very well together because if you have exceptional professionals who are happy in what they're doing they'll be giving a great service to your clients the gfsb is a non-profit organization that helps local businesses start grow and thrive membership costs as little as 60 pounds per year sign up now at gfsb.gi in a previous episode, uh, Gibraltar's Chief Minister recognised a dearth in accountants locally. Why do you think this is? Interesting question. And I don't think I have the answer to that one. Um, I think it's it, maybe it could be our fault um, as a profession. We haven't um, been act- as active as we should have informing um, students of what a career in accounting is. Now, people might perceive it to be a bit boring, um, but it's not actually the case. I mean, I come to the office and every day I do something different. I'm not sitting in my office, you know, churning numbers or, you know, sitting there with my adding machine. And there's such a variety to what I do. Have we put that message across to students? Maybe we haven't. And, and I don't think they might be aware of the opportunities that there are. So it's not just about working in a practice like ours, in a professional firm. It's also about accountancy in general across the industries in Gibraltar. So we're talking about insurance, banking, uh, I don't know, construction. You know, there is a, you know, a, a big lack of accounting resources and every business needs somebody to keep records because ultimately you're there to make money. And the only way you can know you made a profit is if you keep in the right records. I think as well during the pandemic, it came very much to to the to the forefront that you needed to be up to date. You needed to know what cash you had in the bank. You needed to be able to forecast. You needed to know where your money was going to come from, who owed you money. And it's important to keep all those records. So it's not just, you know, professional auditors, which is mainly what I employ, but it's accountants in general, bookkeepers that wish in short supply. So what is EY doing to encourage local talent into the business? Well, we've always been active in providing um, internships, uh, work experience. Um, we do annually. We, we, we invite um, students, undergraduates um, to come into the office to see us, to chat to us and find out more about a career in accounting. Um, maybe we're not doing enough. That we're, or we're not definitely not um, getting to the right people. We were looking for graduates or even um, student school leavers to uh, join us this year. We've only managed to fill two of those vacancies. That's never happened in the past. We've been able to fill all of them. Now, in this day and age, you would feel that students would still be looking for opportunities in, in to get a professional qualification. Um, part of the deal when they come and work with us is that we will pay for their professional exams. We give them study leave. Then the other thing we do is we provide the in-house training Um, coaching 
um, counselling, all that comes part of the deal, and yet we are not able to fill those vacancies, which is quite odd. It might be about envisaging what, what happens next. What are some of the routes that your alumni, as you put them, take? Well, we are a training organisation, um, and people don't always understand this, but we, we, we take graduates, we train them, and most of them leave within four years. Four or five years is normally the, the time scale that, that they stay with us, and during that time they train, but obviously we're able to service our clients with, with the work that they do. Now, we have people who've left um, and are politicians. Um, we've got them working in Jibdoc, for example, um, We've got a few there. Um, we've got people who are who set up their own businesses, who are entrepreneurs. Others who've gone on set up their own accountancy firms. Um, you know, the, 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 it's actually um, a professional qualification that um, opens so many doors as international as well. Um, so the skills and the knowledge you gain can be used in so many different ways um, to do lots of other things. Um, so. So yeah, we, we have a lot of people in Gibraltar who've left the firm and are now working in, in, in lots of different industries. And I don't think maybe that message is coming across about the versatility of the, of the qualification. Absolutely. So, th- so there you have it. It's the range kind of, of, of different careers and different businesses that the, the skills they learn here can plug into, right? So Angelique, so you are obviously ambitious, you're successful. What motivates you? That's a very interesting question, um, and it's 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 difficult to answer. Um, I've always set myself short-term targets, um, and um, at one point in my life, well, after I've achieved everything I'd set up with, I thought, well, what now? What next? And for me, um, what motivates me is that I enjoy what I do and I enjoy the people that I work with and it's about those that you know as a firm being successful for all of us um, I think that's what motivates me and keeps me going I think the day that I no longer feel that urge to 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 to, to lead and 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 to work with my team is the day that I stop doing what I'm doing. So, so I think the motivation is is still the people I work with, the team I work I, I work with, and being a success together. In your opinion, what makes a good leader? In my opinion, what makes a good leader um, is someone who um, is able to lead from the front um, and you know is there to support the team. For me, it's very much the, the, the biggest pleasure I get out of my job is seeing the success of the people I work with and seeing them flourish. And for me, it's facilitating the process for those people to succeed. And, you know, you might think it's interesting that it's not about making money or making profit. For me, this is what, and you asked me before, what motivates me now. That's what's probably what drives, drives, us, drives me most is developing um, and seeing the success of the people that are coming um, below me. Finding balance is a perennial theme among senior leaders. Uh, so work-life balance or just balance even at work. Do you achieve it? Uh, at times, it's it's easier some part times of the year than others. I mean, we, we have what we call busy season, which is a lot of companies have December year ends. So for us, the period from February till sort of May, June is very, very busy and then sort of tails off. So within that period, 
it is much harder to find that balance and you, and you can feel yourself being worked up, getting more stressed. For me, what made me um, or pushed me to find that balance has always been my children because I've grown up my kids and done the job at the same time. You know, you don't get a choice at some point. You have to switch off and it's kids and family and home. And that's helped me to find that balance because, I mean, I've always worked flexible hours. So if I'm leaving the office at four o'clock, and I have to go home to homework and this and that, I mean, and I don't work, then it needs to be done tomorrow. So there you go, it's, it's tomorrow. So, so that's helped me over the years, um, having the kids. Now that the kids are in university, um, I quite enjoy finding that balance. It's, it's, there's lots of things I enjoy doing, um, and I exercise, I cycle, I travel, and um, I like, you know, my, my personal time. So... I just switch off and, and get on and do something else. So switching off is key. It is for sure, and, and knowing that it'll be done tomorrow. And my last question is a question that I ask all my uh, interviewees, uh, and it's about maybe harking back to something that you know now that you wish you'd learned sooner. Well, I think I have to come back to what I said before, and it's about not worrying about what needs to be done today can be done tomorrow. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I know now that I didn't know 20, 25, 30 years ago is that you know it's okay to switch off and it can be done tomorrow. There are things that are urgent to get done and then the rest can be done tomorrow. And not to worry so much. Um, I think the worrying bit is, is the one that you think back, why did you worry so much about everything? It's, it wasn't worth it. So there you have it. Thanks to this week's guest, Angelique Linares, and thanks to you for listening. Remember to hit like or subscribe so you never miss an episode. And thanks once again to the Gibraltar International Bank for sponsoring, to the team over at the GFSB, and Matthew Davies for the sound. See you soon.